It is Thursday, July 1st here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaaf. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And joining us today is a special guest to continue our Beat Writer series, give us some insight on the Las Vegas Raiders. He is the Raiders Beat Writer for The Athletic. He is Tashan Reed. Tashan, thanks very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for thinking of me. Absolutely. We're going to be thinking of you a lot more with training camp getting going now. So uh, start us off here. What will be the biggest offensive scheme change do you expect from the Josh McDaniels regime coming off of the John Gruden version that we got last year? It's an interesting question because I actually think the offense is going to be more similar than it is different in terms of, you know, for example, they're still using a fullback, um, you know, multiple tight ends, heavier sets, which are all things that John Gruden was known for and kind of, you know, a little bit old school, but they also could switch it up and go 11 personnel or 10 personnel and spread things out and be more modern and push the tempo of the situation call for it, which they had to do a lot of last year early on because they couldn't run the ball and the offensive line wasn't holding up. But I think, you know, the biggest difference when it comes to Josh McDaniels will be the, the adaptability. You know, we've seen that a lot his last few years at the Patriots, not so much, you know, for, for a lot of them because he was, you know, Tom Brady was a quarterback and we pretty much knew what it was going to be week in and week out and year in and year out. But you know, he had to completely adjust the system for Cam Newton, had to do the same thing for Mac Jones, and they found success last year on their on their way to making the playoffs. And I think that adaptability that, that Josh McDaniels has as a play caller and a schemer to be able to adjust, you know, not just to, you know, week to week to the opponent, but around, you know, who their players are. You know, injuries happen, obviously. Um, they have a, a big new face on the offense this year in Devontae Adams and figuring out how he fits into the piece with Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro in the, in the passing game and, and getting their running game going and kind of working around some of the weaknesses that they still have on the offensive line. And so I think Josh McDaniels is known for being a little bit more modern than John Gruden was. You know, he, he frustrated fans at times with some of his fourth down decision making and lack of aggressiveness at times. And so I think McDaniels pushes things a little bit more in that area. And then in general, he's just able to adjust a little bit more on the fly and not as strict in terms of he has his things that he wants to do like any other play caller, but I don't think he as by the book. This is what I'm doing. This is going to be my system. I think he's more willing to adjust as needed. Definitely downgrade and facial expressions, though, from, from Gruden to McDaniel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not as not as colorful. Uh, or I, don't, I don't think it's going to be as colorful on the sidelines anymore. But, you know, I think they'll be all right with that if they win some games. How about like run pass split for this offense? You know, what, what do you think the identity is going to be? Do you think they're going to you know be leaning on the passing game more than they did last year after uh, acquiring Devontae Adams? I think they would like to be a balanced offense. I just don't know if they're going to be able to be. I mean, again, that offensive line last year was a major issue. Um, they couldn't run the ball. They were one of the worst rushing teams in the league. They passed the ball pretty well early on. But then as the season went on and teams realized they couldn't run and, and they had obviously the incident with Henry Ruggs and the receiver core wasn't the same, that tapered off as well. And so I, I think especially with Josh McDaniels and his history, you know, using various different types of runs, all the running backs that they had, they drafted Zamir White in the fourth round this year, in addition to Kenyon Drake and, and Josh Jacobs and Brandon Bolden that they brought over. And again, what, what I said about having fullbacks and, and tight ends on the roster and, and using those heavier sets, I just don't think they're going to be able to run that well because of the offensive line. They didn't really make any major additions this offseason. They drafted Dylan Parham, a rookie interior offensive lineman in the third round, but he's he's trying to compete for, for a starting job right now. But I don't know how much of a lift a, a rookie would give you, even if he does win out a job. And so they're really going to be depending a lot on, on development for young guys like Andre James, Alex Leatherwood, 
John Simpson, if he ends up winning a starting job, to push that offensive line forward. And obviously the, the coaching of their, their new offensive line coach, Carmen Brasillo. And so they're banking on a lot of internal development. And, and based off of what the unit looked like last year, you know, I, I'm not as optimistic about the group. And so if, if I end up being right and, you know, the offensive line isn't that good, I think they're going to struggle to run a little bit. And then they're probably going to have to lean more into the passing game, which, you know, it's probably, you know, obviously their passing game is more lethal anyway because of the weapons that they have. But you don't want to get too predictable. But I think they might fall into that trap a little bit just off of it being ineffective. You don't want to just keep running your head against the wall if the run game isn't working. Yeah, so sticking with that back foot, I think that's probably the biggest question in fantasy football. You know, we had, you had Josh Jacobs averaged about 15 carries and four and a half targets when he was healthy last season but as you mentioned they you know Kenny and Drake is back they draft Samir White they sign Brandon Bolden they sign Amir Abdullah as well and you know McDaniels win New England long history of committee backfields do you think Jacobs will get similar volume this season or do you think it's going to be you know more of a mix and match committee backfield type of situation I think it's going to be more running back by committee I think he's still clearly the the lead back and their best running back you know he's going to be the starter I don't, I don't think there's any sort of competition in terms of him losing that role but just by as you said with the history with the Patriots and then also you know the resources that they put into the position I mean I, you know Kenyon Drake he has a they restructured his deal but he has a pretty high cap hit this year and so they're going to use him you know he's more of a pass catching you know kind of outside running back you know, so it'll be a different situations than Josh Jacobs, whereas Zamir White is kind of more of a similar runner, runner. You know, he's more so he's not the fastest guy in the world, but, um, you know, he has some nice juice and, and a powerful runner, run over some guys and then accelerate and ideally create some bigger plays downfield. But, you know, I, I just think in Brandon Bolden, even though he's more of a third down running back, but these are all all ways that this, the snaps have to be divvied up. So just by using that logic and then what I said earlier about you know, the the running game, I don't think it's going to be that effective because of the issues that they may have with the offensive line. And J- Josh Jacobs has just never been that much of a receiving bet, you know, and they have better options, you know, namely Kenyon Drake, you know, who they could use in a receiving role who would probably give them better production. And so I think his touches will probably go down this year. Um, that may be good for him, though. I think he may be more effective with fewer touches because he's been beat up a lot. You know, he's a guy, he doesn't miss a ton of games, but he always, every week he's on injury report with something, you know, it kind of, it's never a huge major injury, but it's always something nagging at him. And so maybe having that lesser workload, a little bit better blocking up front, obviously, you know, he may be a more efficient player this this year, but maybe not, you know, have the same volume in terms of, of carries and production. And that questionable tag always makes it major for us fantasy owners. We're waiting until Sunday morning, wondering <laughs> if he's going to play. And then he's usually out there, but it yeah. leaves us guessing right up until game time. Sunday yeah. afternoon, usually, but, you know, the, uh, Vegas being out west makes it even tougher. Um, yeah, and he'll troll you guys think- sometimes. I remember one time he was driving to the stadium. He said yeah. he wasn't playing. And That's he right. Played, so <laughs> That's right. I would troll people, too, if I were in that situation. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, oh, I tried to drive to the stadium, but my ankle won't let me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Zamir White, then, is more just Jacob's insurance this season rather than, like, a, a threat to the, to the lead job? Yeah, I mean – it depends, like I said, because like you said, if Jacob gets hurt, you know, obviously you could see a bigger role. But I don't know if Jacobs is healthy and Drake is healthy. It's just kind of, you know, I don't think they want to rush things out there with Zamir White. You know, he's a guy that in his past, you know, he's had injury history as well. And so even though he wouldn't, you know, have the biggest role in the world, do you really want to risk it when, you know, J- Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake, you know, their, their contracts come off the book next year? You know, you can just wait till next year and then, you know, put Zamir White in more of a feature role. So I think he'll be more of a complimentary back. This year, especially for, for fantasy purposes, you know, I don't think he's going to be somebody that you want to go to unless, you know, one of those other backs go down. Perfect. Yeah, I like that because I've been thinking White would be more insurance and more compliment than actual threat to Jacobs's job this year. So thank you for confirming that for me. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I think <laughs> hey, we could all be wrong. That's yeah. the whole point of this fantasy yeah. stuff. Yeah. We're all guessing. <laughs> right. 
Uh, moving to the passing game, Devontae Adams, obviously the big uh, acquisition for the Raiders, Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro back. How do you see that, you know, the target distribution working there? Like, is Adams going to be the clear top dog like he was in Green Bay? Or do you think it's going to be you know, more of an even split between Adams, Waller, and Renfro? I, I think Adams will for sure still be the, the top guy. You know, I, in my opinion, anyway, he's the best receiver in the league. And he's Derek Carr's best friend, which is a good thing when you meet somebody that wants targets. But obviously, they play in college together. And then you know, since then, up until the pandemic, they they worked out in off seasons together because they both lived nearby each other in California. So they still kind of kept up that rapport, obviously not to the same level, but, you know, it wasn't like they haven't thrown to each other in, in 10 years before this year. I um, mean, obviously they went through OTAs and working now in training camp. Devontae Adams has been a full participant. Obviously, Derek Carr has been as well. And so, you know, I, I don't think he's going to put up the same insane numbers that he had with the Packers just because out of, out of necessity, they don't have to. You know, I don't think Devontae Adams really ever with the Packers play with a number two and number three as good as as Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. And so I think they'll be throwing the ball a lot. And so he'll probably still be up there in terms of his, his targets and catches and overall production. You know, I, I do think, you know, they're going to divvy up a little bit more. You don't have to go to him, you know, maybe 20 times a game. Um, yeah. But I do think he's he's clearly their top option. He's their best receiving threat. You know, no disrespect to you, you know, a guy like Darren Waller, who, you know, obviously last year he was banged up with injuries, only played in 11 games. But before that, you know, he was top two, top three among tight ends in terms of receiving production. So he could have a monster year as well. But I think Devontae Adams is going to be the guy. Uh, Josh McDowns has gotten some big seasons out of slot receivers in New England. You know, how do you think Renfro fits in this offense? Is he, is he going to be on the field in two wide receiver sets? I think that's the big question fantasy owners want to know because that, that really impacts a guy's production. Yeah, I actually did a, a story on this early in the offseason, talked to, to Wes Welker a little bit about it. And, you know, with Josh McDaniels, he uses a lot of those those combination routes and option routes where, where it kind of looks like the receiver is freestyling because they've, they've had so many reps uh, with, within the system and with the quarterback. They kind of have a feel for for what they're going to do, which is what we saw with Brady and Wes Welker. And, you know, even though it's not a, he's not a, a slot receiver, what we see with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey at times in games. And so uh, Derek Carr and Hunter Renfro already have that kind of chemistry together. And so it's more so just fine tuning it for Josh McDaniel's system. And so, you know, Hunter Renfro's production is probably going to go down because, again, last year Waller was beat up. You know, he lost Henry Ruggs. And so Hunter Renfro became their number one option, you know, down the stretch, you know, as they as they made that playoff push um, until Waller came back. And so I think his numbers are going to dip a little bit, but I, I do think he's going to be on the field pretty much in, in all situations. Um, you know, he he's thought of as a slot guy, but he's not exclusively a slot guy. He did line up pretty often outside last year, more so when they got down in the red zone situations, which for fantasy, you know, a guy trying to score touchdowns, um, you know, if he's out there, that, that's important for you. Um, and I think, you know, like I said, I think they're going to use a lot of 12 personnel, multiple tight end sets. But they a lot of times, you know, they'll they'll move Darren Waller out as outside receiver and Ren- Renfro can stay in the slot. Or even if they keep Waller as a traditional tight end, you know, like I said, Renfro maybe split out wide. And so I think he's a more versatile receiver than, let's say, maybe a Cole Be- Beasley or somebody of that type. And so I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to be coming off the field because they don't think he can be out there in terms of playing outside. I, I can't let these end without asking a defensive question. So <laughs> I'm going to throw a defensive question your way here. And I want to know, for IDP purposes, those who play with defensive players, how do you expect the linebackers to sort out? I think we were all surprised that Denzel Perriman became a three-down guy for the Raiders last year. Divine Diablo showed up late in the season. Then they signed Jayon Brown to a one-year deal. So how do you expect this core to sort out who's going to be on the field the most for three downs, whatever, however you see it? 
I view Perriman as the lock. I think that he's, you know, in terms of that middle linebacker role, that inside linebacker role, whether they're in, in the 4-3 bait, they're going to play a, a multiple defense this year. That's another thing. You know, 3-4, 4-3, they're going to be switching every now and then. But, um, you know, when they're in a nickel or, or they have three linebackers on the field in terms of inside linebackers, I think Perriman's always going to be out there. I think it's sort of a, a battle a little bit between Jayon Brown and, and Devon Diablo because – Diablo and OTAs, he had a red non-contact jersey on. Uh, they never told us what was, what was wrong with him. But um, it, it's been off in training camp, so I think he's able to ramp things back up. And so I think him and Jayon Brown are kind of fending for that 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 nickel, that other nickel linebacker spot. Um, you know, Devon Diablo, he's a converted safety, so his coverage skills are pretty strong. And why Jayon Brown is a pretty good run stopper, you know, he's also pretty solid in coverage as well. And so I think he's probably better as a run stopper at this point in his career. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see if Devon Diablo – one can stay healthy because he has had some injury issues in the past. And then can he take a step forward in, the, in that run stopping role to justify getting, getting snaps over, over the veteran and Jayon Brown? Yeah, I mean, it's a problem for us fantasy players that we don't know how the linebackers are going to sort out. It's a good problem for the Raiders, though, yeah. that they have a better group that they, you know, have some decisions to make as opposed to saying this guy has to be out there because that's what we have. I will say from a name standpoint, I think we're all rooting a little bit for Divine Jones, right? I mean, who doesn't yeah. want to hear that name and say it a bunch? Yeah, for sure. But I, I, th- I would definitely lock in in terms of Denzel Perriman. I don't think there's any question about his him being a starter in, in this lineup. He's developed into one. of He's only been here for you know, probably about a year at this point since they traded for him and training, late in training camp last year. Um, but he's really developed into one of the leaders of the team overall, not just the defense. Um, he's a ferocious hitter and run stopper. He's a little shaky in coverage. So like mm-hmm. there may be some situations where maybe it's Diablo and, and Jayon Brown out there and, instead of him. But as you said, you know, he's, he's become a, a complete linebacker. He was a pro bowler last year. And so I'd be shocked if he wasn't a starter this year. That might be the worst is if they just move it all around and that's situational, <laughs> just like the Patriots, who we couldn't yeah. rely on for linebacker snaps. Yeah. Linebacker but, by committee. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we'll see how that sorts out through the summer. But we appreciate you joining us. He is at Tashawn Reed on Twitter. He is the Raiders beat writer for The Athletic. And we're all about to be paying a lot more attention to you, even though we were before, because training camp <laughs> just opened up. Tashawn Reed, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. You can find every episode of this Beat Writer series and every episode of the podcast on DraftSharks.com, on YouTube, on Apple, on Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. For Tashawn Reed, for Jared Smola, and the entire DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us. (laughs) 